Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. Acts chapter 15 and verse 36. Today, put on your running shoes because I'm going to be in a lot of scripture. Uh, We're going to go line by line, and uh, I believe you're going to be stretched and and transformed by, by the study today. Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas had known each other for over a decade by this point in history. They served as ministers or senior leaders in the church of Antioch together. And then after that, they were released by the church of Antioch, and uh, they began ministry, just the two of them, uh, into the, the, the whole world. So they, they traveled the globe sharing the gospel. And the Bible goes on to say that many signs and wonders were performed by both of these men. But before we move forward, let's move backwards and, and take a look at how these guys met. Acts 9 and verse 26. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. Now this is, uh, Saul is it's called Paul in some places, Saul and others. Saul is his Hebrew name. You know, King Saul was the first king of, of Israel, so that was his Jewish name. But he also had a Greek name, and his Greek name was Paul. So just like, you know, you might have a name with your buddies and another name with your parents, this is kind of the way it was with uh, Saul. It says he wanted to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. You see, one minute he was killing Christians, the next minute he was preaching the very gospel that that he was trying to, to destroy. And the folks that uh, were watching this from a distance, they they thought this might be a trap. And common sense was saying, you know what? When a lion comes close, it's probably because it plans to eat you. And and, 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 and Paul and Saul was was pretending to be a believer. And they were like, I'm not so certain about that. This might be a trap. And they did not believe. Now, these are the apostles that he was a disciple. Again, These are the most gifted 12 men on the planet. But in spite of the fact the Holy Spirit came down in the form of fire, rested on people's head, they they had preached, great signs and wonders had happened in their lives. These 12 men did not supernaturally discern the motivation of Paul's heart. You know, sometimes we place unrealistic expectation on our ministry leaders. You know, if the original 12 apostles, there's going to be no group like them again in the history of planet Earth, if they did not automatically know where everybody was coming from, how do you think I, how do you think some other pastor or some other leader is going to automatically just know where everybody's coming from? It says, and they did not believe, meaning these guys were not easy to convince. If you came into their church with papers, they wouldn't just say, well, well, because you did this elsewhere, all of a sudden, hey, you know, you have it. No, 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 no. These guys were very, very, very cautious. They did not believe that he was what? A disciple. This is important. When you have a history of hurting people, harming people, like Saul did at this point, you have to be patient with those you wounded. 
And some people were, you know, they repent and get over. It's like, well, you, you supposed to get over as fast. No, 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 wait, 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 wait. You hurt me and I'm still bloodied. I'm still bruised. It's going to take me a second to get past what you have done. Again, these are the most spiritual men on the planet, but the Bible says they didn't yet believe he was a disciple. The Bible says we're to know them who labor amongst us, meaning we got to invest a little bit of time and we got to test the spirit before we open certain doors. But verse 27 is key, and we thank God for people like Barnabas. But Barnabas took him and brought him to these frightened apostles. This is why we need each other so very much. Sometimes God uses others to see what we cannot see. Now, now listen, the, the, the apostles just saw this man that was killing everybody. But Barnabas was able to look past Paul's faults, and they saw a diamond in the rough. You know, who could have known by looking? I mean, this guy was violent to the core. Who would have ever guessed that God would use this man, inspire this man to write over 25% of our New Testament? But out of all of them, one man saw, and one man was brave enough to build a bridge. And then Paul declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road. So Paul finally uh, is in their company. And then Paul has to answer for himself. And, and the Bible says that he talked about the things that God had spoken to him, meaning Paul told of the miraculous story that he was on his horse and a light came down from heaven, knocked him off his horse. But, but, but you know what? I don't think that was so convincing because it's easy to come in some place and talk to talk. The disciples were looking for somebody that walked the walk. And I think it was the next clause of this sentence that made all the difference in the world. And he told them how he had preached boldly. Why do you need to be bold? Because there's opposition. How he preached what? Boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. You see, when the disciples heard that he wasn't just telling some story, but he had risked his very life. It was people were trying to kill people that were preaching in the name of Jesus because Paul was preaching people who tried to preach in that name. And when they realized that he had actually risked his life, he didn't just talk and talk and see a vision. He risked his natural life for the cause of Jesus. Only at that point did they begin to trust him. This is very important, particularly for church people. If you ever confuse love with trust, you are going to be in serious, serious trouble. Jesus teaches us to love unconditionally. Seven times 70. No matter what they do, you got to love them and hope for the best in their lives. But Scripture never tells us to trust unconditionally. I know you're thinking about that. You remember the men that received talents? One man received, you know, uh, uh, five talents, he doubled it, God gave him more. Another man received just a couple talents, he doubled it, God gave him more. So when those men were faithful what they had, then God trusted them with more. But there was this one man, and God loved the one man as much as he loved the other man. God's love for us is unconditional. But one man took his talent, buried it in the ground, and the master came back and said, thou wicked servant, 
Now, God loved them all, but only trusted two. Love is unconditional, but trust has to be earned. And when you start trusting everybody, you become foolish. Love everybody, but verify with everybody else when it comes to this issue of trust. And these apostles were not unloving. They loved Paul, but they didn't trust him. How do you spell trust? Time plus test equals trust. I don't know I can trust you till you test it. I don't know you're going to stay until there's going to be a problem or until there's an issue. So we got to go through some problems together before I can trust you. Now, I love you without problems, but I don't trust you without problems. I'm in the book. See, I love Jesus, but almost as great as that, I trust him. I mean, when he had options, he could call a legion of angels. He stayed there on that cross. I could trust him with my life. If he, if he would do that for me, he has earned my respect and my trust. Loving somebody is not the same as trusting someone. So now the question is, you know God loves you, but the $6 million question today is, can he trust you? And your next season and the next level in what God has for you may not be based on his love. But God gave more talents to the men and women he could trust. Verse 28. So Paul was with him in Jerusalem. And the Bible says that he was coming in and going out, meaning he had freedom. The disciples were very cautious and careful about who they let in their personal circle. Every time, and it's been many times in my life, that I have been careless in or or with on, on this point, I have paid for it dearly. You can't live a clean life hanging out with messy people. I mean, I know some people just messy, just messy. Yeah. Now, you, you might be trying to grow them and develop, but when you let them in your circle, they have just become your responsibility. Acts 9 and verse 1. So why were the disciples so guarded about this, this, this Paul, this Saul? Let's take a look. Then Saul, or Paul, still breathing threats, he had bad breath, and murder <laughs> against the disciples... See, some of y'all know people with breath like this. (laughs) Against the disciples of who? The Lord. So who is he trying to hurt? The very disciples that he had finally come to. And he went to the high priest and asked him letters for uh, for him to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he was an equal opportunity killer, that he might bring them bound to... Jerusalem. You see, the issue is Paul had spent years bullying and slaughtering the apostles' friends, the apostles' converts, the the apostles' family, anybody who called on the name of Jesus. But we see something very important in this passage. God specializes in turning foes into friends. And turning adversary in, adversaries into advocates. And, and we see here, the man the Bible calls the worst of sinners actually became the greatest of saints. And the point of all this is if God could do this with him, Come on. what might he be able to do with you yes. and I? Yes. 
And he journeyed and, and he came near Damascus. Now, again, this is not St. Paul. This is the killer, Saul. He wasn't playing patty cake. He wasn't just playing rhetorical games. He would kill you dead. But even with this hostile man in this extremely hostile environment, God was more than equal to the task. And this is important. God doesn't have to, uh, God's not, God's the God of the whole universe. He doesn't just move in church settings. He doesn't just move in environments where people are singing and praising his name. According to scripture, he could deal with even the most hostile, the most angry and violent of people and on their terms and get it done. And suddenly, Paul was on his horse riding into Damascus with letters from the, 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 the Sanhedrin and, and a great authority to kill and, and to separate families and, and to kick people out of the synagogue. But a bright light shone around him from heaven. Have you ever noticed in a jewelry store, I have this somewhere, they always pull out a, a black pillow or a velvet cloth before they show you the various diamonds? You know why? Because the darker the background, the brighter the sparkle. It's important. So don't worry about what's happening with your children. Don't worry about what's happening in this world. Because God has a way of waiting till it's blackest. Waiting till it's dark. Does anybody understand where I'm going? The darker your world gets, the greater opportunity you have to shine. So God in his wisdom lets the sun go down. Lets it get dark, dark, demon dark. You hear what I'm saying? And then only when it's at its darkness does he show up and shine. So here... God was trying to teach us something. He was saying, listen, I could take the worst man. So you, you think you've done some bad thing. This guy was a killer in the name of the Lord. This is Osama bin Laden. Yeah. This is, this is who Saul was. And God could make him into the greatest advocate for the church. What can God do with your life if he could do that for him? Verse 4. Then it says, then he fell to the ground. Everybody today, particularly those in the pulpit, we, we're so concerned about hurting somebody's feelings, so concerned about, you know, someone might get upset, someone might lead a church, so, somebody might get their feelings hurt. But sometimes God can't save anybody until after he knocks them on their butt. Now, this is the book. I, I, that was not licensed. Because the Bible says, then he was knocked to the ground, and that knock off his high horse. Do you hear me? You, sometimes you can't gently take people off that horse. God will speak to you in a language that you understand. And if you don't understand nice, he knows how to go the other way. You understand? Then Saul was knocked to the ground. 
I've had some moments like this in my life. But in the midst of the knockdown, he heard a voice. Sometimes, again, God has to knock you down so you can hear. You're so full of yourself. And he said, I got I to cut you down so you can hear me again. And he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? May I paraphrase this in the MOS, my favorite version of the Bible. That's the man on the street translation. And what God was saying to Saul is, Saul, have you lost your ever-loving mind? Do you really think that you can fight against God and win? So the Lord speaks to him. And watch what happens next. This is important. Just because a person is religious, just because someone's called pastor, doctor, bishop, does not mean they know God. Paul was one of the most commanding religious figures of his day. But when push came to shove, watch what he had to ask. Knocked off his horse, he said, who are you, Lord? As religious as he was, didn't know the Lord. As religious as some of us are. We do not really know the Lord. We know a tradition. We might have memorized some scriptures, but we don't really know who God is yet. But the Lord is so patient and, and so gentle. I would have walked away, but you figured out. You think you know so much, but that, that's not, not what he did. He said, and he said, the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you've been picking on and persecuting. You see, you might think you are criticizing a pastor. You may think you are criticizing those silly, simple-minded Christians. But when you put your mouth on a man or woman of God who has surrendered their, their life and their being to the Lord, you have just bitten off more than you will be able to chew. That's what Paul was about to discover. Let's get to verse 6. So all tough, you know, murder and killing, I'll put you in jail. Letters from the Sanhedrin, Paul stood there trembling. <laughs> One day we're going to all meet that God we so easily and freely criticize. But who's trembling now? Right. Trembling, mind blown, astonished. He said, Lord. Romans 10 teaches us if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you shall be saved. For the first time in his life, he called Jesus Lord. And his entire life was transformed by that single event. Just one encounter with the risen king will change everything in your life. He said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Notice he didn't ask, what do you want me to believe? 
He already believed that Jesus was Lord. He just talked to Jesus who he, he knew was killed. And, and if he's alive, he, he has to be more than just a man. And if he's speaking to people, dear God, you understand what I'm saying? So he wasn't asking what to believe. Undoubtedly, he already believed again that Christ was Lord. But, but we see something. He asked, what do you want me to what? Do, which is action. You see, repentance is a double-sided coin. And if you find a coin with only one side engraved, you cannot use it. A genuine and spendable coin that's useful and, and, and is currency has to have two sides to it in order to be exchanged. The first side of this coin is our beliefs. He believed that Jesus was Lord. But the second side of that coin was his actions. So if you just repent from your heart but have no corresponding action, in God's economy, there's no exchange. In God's economy, it's not genuine. In God's economy, that has to be recalled. True repentance shows up first in the heart, and that's where it matters most. But if it's in your heart, it will show up in your life and in your behavior and in your deeds. I'm preaching better than you're saying amen. amen. Let's go back to where we started, Acts chapter 15 and verse 36. Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city that we have Preach the word of the Lord. And let's see how they're doing. How many know it's easy to make a child? Yeah, how many know it's kind of fun to make a child? Yeah. But it only takes a few key missed opportunities to lose a child. Paul and Barnabas wouldn't let that happen. They had established a church. Those churches were young and pivotal and, 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 and very important stage in their growth. So they had to go back and make sure they were there for these very significant moments in their new children's lives. Now Barnabas was determined. How many of you know determined is strong language? You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.